Welcome, fasting fitness friends. This podcast will be about sharing information and stories on fasting and fitness. Bill is a martial arts instructor, business owner, husband, and father. Lisa is a retired music educator, an ultra runner, singer, dancer, wife, and mom. We have both lost weight and found a healthier lifestyle combining intermittent fasting and fitness activities. We hope you'll join us as we share content that can help both mental and physical wellness. Please remember the information presented here is not to be taken as medical advice. Always consult with your healthcare practitioner before making any changes. Thank you for listening. Hi, Bill. Hey, Lisa. How's it going? It's going great. I'm, I'm very excited about the momentum that we're generating between our Facebook community and the podcast. I feel like we started like this little tiny ball, and now it's, it's getting bigger and it's rolling on down the hill. <laughs> yeah, the, the snowball effect is definitely taking on. Yeah. Um, and we're doing lots of really cool stuff with the podcast, which I'm glad you brought that up because we definitely wanted to kind of touch base with our listeners and make sure that everybody who's listening knows what's going on ahead of time, just so that they don't get confused or concerned about uh, if, if it seems a little bit off from what we've been doing the past several weeks. Um, so in the in the past couple of weeks, you've been doing some interviews, which is super exciting. Um, and you've gotten some really good ones already posted. We've got some lined up to roll out this week and next week. And I'm also working on lining up some different interviews with some exciting, uh, some of our community members, some who are in our group and some who are not in our fasted fitness lifestyle group. Mm -hmm. Um, but they're, you know, what we're doing is a lot of fun. So, uh, just so the listeners know, sometimes you'll be interviewing people by yourself. Sometimes I'll be interviewing people by myself. And sometimes we'll be uh, squeezing them in together in our schedules and we'll be uh, interviewing other guests together. So, and then sometimes it's going to be like this as well, where it's just you and I uh, kind of going back and forth. But we're, you know, the momentum and the, the podcast is just kind of growing uh, on a, a life of its own, which is really fun. It's really fun. I just want to also explain to the listeners that the reason we both aren't always interviewing our guests together is because we have real life and Bill works full time. He has children, he has a job, he has responsibilities and I am semi-retired. So obviously my schedule is a little more flexible. So some people can't meet with us on the weekends which is mainly when Bill has his free time. So if someone can only meet during the week I will speak to them on their own. Someone can do weekends, Bill will meet with them. So we're just managing the best we can with everybody's schedule in order to accommodate everybody. And today we're going to hit some topics that we think are important um, for people who are fitness advocates and also fasting. And once again, a reminder that we are not dispensing medical advice. We are just giving information that we've researched and that we have found through our own experience and, and experiences of others. Yes. And today is going to be just a little bit sciencey. I'm going to try to keep it light as we go through uh, some topics here today, but uh, it, it is a little bit more sciencey just because I want us to really understand what it is that we're doing and what is happening in our bodies. I know for myself, when I understand what something is doing and why it's good for me, it's a little bit easier to push through some of those harder times. Right. Um, 
So yeah, so I did a little bit of research this weekend uh, and I wanted to talk about uh, the fasting process and what's actually happening in our bodies at various stages throughout the fast. Uh, so some of so it might be some big words in here. And again, I'll try to keep it light and explain what I have. But again, uh, no medical advice here. Uh, and I will post, when we post this episode, I will make sure that there are links to the studies that this information is pulled from included in the show notes. Great. So and you I, can go look it up. And I just want to add that even if the science is a little too much for you, it it might be a motivator. Like if, mm-hmm. even if you can't, cause we talked about this, wouldn't it be cool if we could have like a little camera that went inside us and showed what was happening. So we don't have that, but you can imagine when you're struggling, what, what positive things are happening in your body. And maybe that'll help motivate you to push through some of the tougher times, right? Yes, absolutely. And I always say, I don't need to understand how it's working. I do. I want to understand what is happening, but I'm not a scientist and I'm not, uh, you know, I, I don't really understand all of it, but mm-hmm. as long as I have a general idea of what's going on, again, that just helps me to kind of like envision that process. And yeah, it keeps me motivated when I know that there are good things happening, even if I don't understand them. And the other piece is if there's people in your life that are challenging you about fasting and the safety, this this way, if you need to, you could say, hey, here's some research and you can mm-hmm. point them to the facts or even quote us. All right, go ahead, Bill. Yes. Tell us about it. All right. So let's talk about the fasting process and a little bit about the digestive process as well as it's all kind of intertwined. So after we, we know our fast starts, as soon as we take that last bite of food, we say our window is closed. That's when most people say that's, that's when the fast starts. So approximately... Two to f- within two to four hours of you being done eating, that's called the absorptive state. And that is when your body is pulling and uh, processing and digesting the nutrients from the food that you've eaten. Um, so that means like the, the first two hours after you're done eating, that's when it's kind of sitting in your stomach and you know the, the digestive fluids are doing their thing and the food's being broken down. Your body's not really getting anything out of it yet. Um, it, you're not going to, your body starts to pull that stuff out, uh, in that two to four hour mark. Um, as far as nutrients and, and nu- nutrition is concerned with your food. So speaking like to the O matters out there that the, the one meal a day, or even the one plate a day crowd, if you're going to do one meal a day or one plate a day, and you know that your body only has a two to four hour window of when it's going to get nutrition from that food. You want to make sure that that one meal a day that you have is super nutritious. Uh, you don't want to be, you don't want to play to Twinkies for your one meal a day. Ew. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> no, that's, I, mean, I was telling Bill before we started recording that I did a 16 and a half mile run today, completely fasted. And I knew I was going to do a long run today. So last night, since I'm heading towards carnivore, we had this beautiful, beautiful, we had a steak dinner and I had um, some pork rinds and sour cream and pickles. And I had a really nutrient dense dinner, closed my window and I felt phenomenal today during my long run. So that's exactly what he's talking about. Absolutely, 16 and a half hours. Is that what you said, Lisa? No, 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 no. 16 and a half oh. miles. Miles, okay. Miles, okay. but I, I have- like, wow. 
No, but I have done um, that long when I've done ultras, yes. but I, um, it took me about four and a half hours. So just so the audience okay. knows, I was not like running, running, running the whole time. I was like running, walking, running, walking. I just wanted to cover, we call it time on feet. I'm training for a big event. But the point being, I drank water, I took some salt. And because I fueled up really well last night, the night before, I had a, such a fabulous experience. And then when I was done, I took a shower and I had another nutrient-dense meal to open my window today. So for me, that works really well. Awesome. Uh, and so here's a little bonus nugget of information regarding uh, that, that, that absorbative state. If energy is exerted shortly after eating, uh, it, the body then takes the fats and the sugars from that meal that you just ate and uses those as fuel immediately. So uh, and I believe Jace, Dr. Fung uh, mentions in one of his books that I've read that uh, even just a 15 minute walk short, uh, within a few minutes after eating your last meal can reduce the duration of your insulin spike by 50%. Okay, so that I, I sort of knew that and that makes a lot of sense because I had a cousin who is diabetic and when she would come to our house uh, for a get together, we would eat a meal and she would either go to my basement and use my treadmill or we would all take a walk around the block because she said, I need to eat, I need to move mm -hmm. right after I eat my meal and she is a diabetic. So that, that makes sense. Yep. And uh, so, you know, you, if you eat a big meal and you think, oh, now I need to go take a nap. No, first you should go for a walk or, do, right. you know, it doesn't have to be heavy exercise, just some activity Movement. is going to help reduce the duration of that insulin spike. And it's going to help turn all that food that you just ate into fuel so that it doesn't have the opportunity to get turned into fat. Oh, yeah. If you, right, if you don't, if you go take a nap right after you eat, and let's say you fall asleep for two hours, now you're into that absorbative state and all of that food that you ate is now potential fat. Fascinating. So if you're like me, when we eat dinner early after dinner, we clean up our kitchen and then almost every night we go outside and we take like a little half mile to a mile walk to look at the pretty sunset. So there you go. That is perfect. Okay. All right. Moving on through the process uh, from the four hour to, uh, I'm going to say about the four to six hour is called the post-absorbative state. Um, and if I make any mistakes here, I'm just kind of reading through my notes that I made. Um, but in the post-absorbative post state, that means after the, your body's taken all the nutrition that it wants from the food, that it can handle from the food, um, and this is also known as the fasting state. So, you know, you, we start our fast as soon as we're done eating, and, and those of us that use the, like, Zero app or the Life app or whatever, we generally hit that fast button as soon as we're done eating because we want that number to you know, start counting for us because we think that's how it works. <laughs> um, but you're actually not hitting that fasted state for probably about six hours. Oh, okay. That's when your insulin starts to drop because your body has said, okay, I've got the nutrition I need out of that food. Your insulin starts to drop because now your body's not looking for places to store that food. Now, now it's, especially if you've moved and exercised and done some things, um, but it's actually looking to process and uh, either store it as fuel or get rid of it. Uh, those are the, the choices that it has. So your insulin begins to drop and another hormone called glucagon increases. And glucagon is a hormone that acts on the liver, causing it to convert 
glycogen back into glucose. And glucose is the usable fuel. Um, and so that happens right around the six hour mark, like I said. Um, once those, that glucagon hormone starts to go up and the insulin starts to go down, that's when your body starts taking fat cells and breaking them down. Because it says, oh, your body goes, oh, there, there's, we've, we processed that food, we've done everything, they took a nap or they went for a walk, whatever, whatever it is that you did. And your body says, okay, now I want some more fuel. Uh, and if you don't give it more fuel, then, it's, then it goes to the fat cells because the fat cells are easily broken down and easily transported to different parts of your body. Uh, let's see what else. And yep, yep yeah, because fat cells or uh, in all the scientific terms, adipose cells are easily broken down and converted uh, to glucogen, glycogen. A lot of big words in here. So, uh, and again, that state can last up to approximately four hours. You with me, Lisa? Oh, no, I'm here. I'm just, okay. I'm just okay. listening. Making sure. No, I'm just listening uh, to all this wonderful information. Thank you. Great. Uh, let's see. So then after the post-absorbative stage, from approximately six, maybe eight hours, depending on your digestive system, your metabolism and all that stuff, uh, six or eight hours to all the way up to um, 24 hours is when you're, you have that low insulin, high glucagon, uh, and that also stimulates the kidneys okay. to excrete water and minerals, uh, which then facilitates the metabolism of that, of, of those other processes. So, you know, you know, some people say that they're cold when they're fasting. Uh, that's because your body is processing all of that water um, and it's not applying the energy to burn up food. So you don't have that heat source inside your body constantly fired. Um, so that's, I know I feel cold when I get into my fasts right. and that's kind of a, a trigger that you can pay attention and, and, and watch for is when you're fasting, if you're wondering if anything's working, just, just be aware of your body temperature. You know, do you feel colder than you normally would? Or, you know, does anything, do you feel like you're sweating even though nothing's going on? You could be sweating even though you don't feel hot because your body's processing extra water and, um, all that kind of stuff. So it's also when you really need to start paying attention to your hydration level yes. is in that uh, above the six to eight hour mark into the 12 and 24 and longer, because you, what your body has to do in order to burn that fat is it, um, it has to take water out of your body, put the fat cell, basically it's packaged in, in water and then sent through the body to get processed. Right. So um, we eat dinner very early because we can mm -hmm. retired. We eat like four 30 and, um, and we go to bed like 10, let's say, but we keep water, a uh, bottle of water next to the, our bedside and also uh, pink salt because when sometimes if I do a have like today, I did a heavy workout. I might wake up in the night with like a little cramping or like really dry mouth or even a little headache because I'm in Arizona. It's really dry. So I think the hydration part is really crucial and um, electrolytes, you know, making sure you have enough salt. So keep that in mind, people, please. Okay, absolutely. Hydrate and salt to help keep that, you know, uh, and make sure you're doing it right. It's, it's not like a tablespoon of salt in a bottle of water. Little, you don't need a lot. Um, 
And if you use sodium tablets that, you know, at least then, you know, you're getting a specific amount. Right. Um, so then fat burning usually ramps up after about 12 hours. Um, and I want to make sure we understand that this is a slow process. It's not a switch that gets instantaneously flipped at 12 hours. This is the, all of this is a process that is constantly happening from the last bite of food, you know, all, all the way through until your first bite of food after you break your fast. Hmm. This is all just kind of, you know, it's not like you get, you hit 12 hours and oh, there's the, you know, drop, you know, your body doesn't say, okay, turn off the insulin and it just drops. No, it's your body has to use what's in it. Right. Um, so, you know, take, don't expect, you know, miraculous results from, from one day, because that's not what our body does. It's not a switch. It's, it's something that's going to be, you know, kind of off and on and up and down all the way through the process. Uh, but fat burning does go up after 12 hours. So, um, you know, that's when you're going to start to really, you know, get some of that energy from the fat burning and the fat being used as fuel. Um, let's see. And then that kind of stays pretty stable right there you know, from 12 to 24 hours, your body's in fat burning mode, according to all of the science that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, your, your body's always burning fat. Your body's always processing nutrients. Your body's always, it, it's not these, these magic numbers, these hours hit. And, and that's what you, the one thing your body's doing. Your body is always doing everything that it can to support and sustain itself. Okay. Um, these are just heightened levels of these different stages because of fasting. Um, after 24 hours, glycogen stores are fully depleted. And I, yeah, that's a, that's kind of a big statement. So I want to make sure we stop and take a second there. You know, after 24 hours, glycogen stores are fully depleted. Uh, you know, it, it could be 22 hours. It could be 26 hours. It's not a magic number. So, um, but glycogen again is what your body uses. Uh, it, it breaks de- it stores glycogen in your muscles and in your liver. And then, uh, when it needs fuel and there's no food, it goes to the liver first and it pulls out the glycogen from the liver. And then if there's uh, not enough there, then it goes to the muscles and it pulls glycogen out of the muscle cells. That does not mean that you are losing muscle. Glycogen is stored in the muscle. Um, so it can, so that it can be pulled out to feed the muscles when it's needed. Right. And Uh, that's, that's a really, really, really important point because the whole, um, old school thinking of you got to eat before you work out, you got to eat after to feed your muscles. So you just explained that you really, you have an endless supply in your, yes. in your muscles, unless you're like sick or emaciated. So like, you know, I'm a fat burner. I'm a, I, I was ketogenic. Now I'm heading into carnivore. And a lot of my friends are like, oh, you, you got to have carbs when you're, you know, doing your exercise. So I'm like, no, I don't, you know, because there's an endless supply in your muscles and um, in your liver. And my body is trained to use my fat for fuel. Yes. And, and we have to train our bodies to do that. It's not, um, yes. it, it is the way our bodies are supposed to run, but we have um, processed our food and created all these diets and things that people think we're supposed to follow that have 
uh, kind of retrained our bodies and our brains to work in less than natural and less than ideal situations. And so if we can get back to fat adapted, get back to being, uh, you know, being okay with being hungry sometimes, then our bodies are actually operating at a much more optimal performance level. Yep, excellent. Um, and then also in that 12 to 24 hour range, specifically over the 24 hour range, we see a um, big increase in human growth hormone and testosterone. And both of those are super important for protecting muscle mass and for muscle growth. So again, this is just more proof that the body knows what it's doing and the body is not going to attack itself to feed a little bit of fuel. Um, you're, you, you would have to be, like you said, emaciated. You would have to be literally starved right. for an extended period of time before your body started breaking down real usable muscle tissue. Right. What's happening again is it, it, as soon as those uh, glycogen stores are depleted from the liver, the human growth hormone kicks in and says, okay, we're going to protect the muscle while I pull out this, this stuff that I've put in here. Right. It's, it's you kind of think of it like a bank vault with a security guard. You put your money in the bank vault exactly. and you go to, you go to get the money out of the bank and they don't just let you go in and take everything out. They only let you go in and take out what you put in so that you could use later. Yeah. So Jason Fung, he has a really good um, image for this. He talks about um, you go to your fridge or you go to your freezer. And he says, like the stuff in the fridge is readily available. But then when you get to a certain point in your fasting, your body's going into the freezer like that. Mm -hmm. I love that image. And also, I, I want to mention here that um, in some of our communities, some people do a little bit longer fasts. And they might do that either to um, get past the plateau or help their weight loss. Also, some doctors like Dr. Jason Fung and other endocrinologists, etc., they often recommend a couple of longer fasts a week if people can. And that's because of health issues. So after you get past 20, 24, that's when real healing and different things are going on in your body. And that's why medic, medical doctors occasionally will recommend those for healing purposes. Yes. And um, I, stopped, I stopped my research here at the 48 hour mark. Okay. Because um, just as a general rule of my own, 48 hours, beyond 48 hours, I would say you really should have um, some type of medical supervision, I agree. Uh, at least, at least a phone call with your doctor saying, Hey, I was thinking about not eating for three days. What do you think about that? And your doctor can say, yeah, go ahead. Why don't you most likely your doctor's going to say, yeah, that's great. Go ahead. Why don't you update me around 48 hours, around 60 hours. And, and or, or when you're done, if you don't have any issues during the fast, your doctor's just going to want to know how it went and make sure that you're okay. Right. Um, and, and you want to make sure you know what you're doing. You don't want to be like, hey, I'm going to start fasting and I'm going to go three days. Like, no, right. no, no, no. You want to build up to it. <laughs> and I know. <laughs> um, the other thing is, unless you really are at a weight loss plateau or um, you have a medical condition that you're trying to have some healing and autophagy, there's really like no reason to go on a longer fast. And what I want to, what I want to um, say here is, 
law, more is not always better. So mm -hmm. some people think, oh, well, I did 24, now I'll do 48. So maybe you don't want to do a 36 once in a while. That's not a big deal. You miss like one day of eating and then you meet the next morning. But for me, I just want to give an example. Like I was doing the meal less Mondays and I was doing great. But then I had some things going on in my life. My life isn't that stressful, but we like moved and the pandemic and the politics and I had some family issues. And I found that having a day without even eating at all, it was it was more of a stress than a help to me. It just like I woke up in the morning feeling like cranky that I didn't know if I was I knew I wasn't going to eat at all that day. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do an extended fast at this time because it's doing more harm than good. You know what I'm saying? And yes. also, I'm kind of light. You know, I, like I don't weigh. I'm not really overweight. Um, I want to lose like five pounds. So sometimes you got to balance the uh, amount of fasting you do with what's going on in your life. I want to add one more thing. If you're go going to choose to do a longer fast, you don't go and run 20 miles like I did today. You maybe like take down your exercise a little bit, maybe do a little yoga, maybe more gentle things. You, you want to be careful and you don't want to be like far away from your house when you're at 40 hours fasted in case something happens and you're not feeling well. Right. Yeah, 100% agree. That's all, uh, and then, and again, that's why I stopped at the forty-eight hour mark. I didn't want to go past that. There's, there are tons of of health benefits for fasting longer than forty-eight hours, um, but being focused on the fitness aspect. And and today we wanted to talk about fasting and exercise and why overlapping them is a really good idea. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely don't think anybody wants to do, uh, you know, forty-eight or or even a you know thirty-six is probably the longest I've gone and been okay with exercising heavy the next day. Right. So you just like you, like you said, Lisa, be careful, be aware of your body right. and always be prepared to break your fast when you need to. Yes. There's, yeah. right. there's no shame in breaking a fast earlier than you planned. Um, there, there are ramifications for not being prepared to break your fast. Um, you know, if you're running and you haven't eaten in two days, you might, right. you might end up, uh, you know, on a bus to the hospital. Right. Yeah. And like I was talking with um, the last person I interviewed, Mary Ruland, and we were saying like, when we do a long um, endurance event, we're perfectly capable of doing it fasted and we're practiced in doing it fasted, but we always bring something just in case because every yes. day is a different day. So like today, my husband and I went out and we were like fasted, no big deal, but I, I had a little something in my pack just in case, what happens if I start feeling weird? So it's always good to be prepared. Right. Yep. hundred percent. Um, and then again, as you're, as you're approaching that 40 hour, 48 hour mark, that's when your body is good. Your body's going into what's known as full ketosis. Um, and if you follow a keto diet, you know, that that's the goal of the keto diet is to get your body to stay in ketosis. Um, and so ketosis is a really, really beneficial phase for your body to be in because that means that there, you're, you've gotten your body to the point where there's not enough glucose for the body to burn it as fuel and to feed the brain. The brain can only fuel on ketones and glucose, I believe was the, let me double check my notes here. Yes, the, the, the brain can, can functions on ketones and glucose. So if there's not enough glucose left, then your body is starting to transform those fat cells 
into ketones to feed the brain, um, which is a really cool phase to be in because it has physical health benefits and mental health benefits to be in that um, fasted state or that, that ketosis state. Yes, and even if you don't follow the ketogenic food plan, I'm sure that um, many of our listeners who are experts in fasting or used to fasting, like you know exactly what we're talking about. You hit that like magic spot where you're not hungry anymore and you're feeling like really clear in the mind and you're all jazzed up and you feel like you could like run around and like get all these things done and you're feeling really focused. So that's that's the ketones kicking in and it, you don't have to be on a ketogenic food plan. That's just a result of fasting, right? Right. Yep, absolutely. And like like we've talked about before, we don't uh, we don't um, we don't promote any one specific, um, nutritional yep. choice for any of our listeners, Absolutely. but if you, if you're, if you're on a uh, keto diet, then you might hit that ketosis, that full ketosis. You might hit that earlier in your fast because you're already pushing yourself in that direction. Yep. Um, so that's yep. why I say all these numbers are variable and all of this information is just, you know, just kind of a guideline, not something that you should be looking at and go, okay, I'm at 36 hours. So now I'm in ketosis. Well, it, it really depends. Not Maybe not if you ate that plate full of Twinkies for dinner last night. Right. Or even uh -huh. a high carb, even if it's healthy carbs, like if you had like pasta right. or rice, sometimes that might interfere with it. It doesn't have to be processed bad carbs. It could just be good carbs even. Right. Um, so we, Jim and I, my husband, we got one of those little ketogenic breath meter things. And Oh, cool. Yeah, it is cool because, you know, my husband's a scientist and he loves, he loves measuring and data. And I'm like, oh. but anyway, so we've been messing around with it and it's been quite surprising, to be honest. Like the other morning I woke up and I blew into the little meter first thing in the morning. And so that's, I was fasted maybe 14, 15 hours at that point. And I blew like a 19, which is, that's good. But then today, this is fascinating. Today, I hadn't eaten for almost 20 hours and I ran 16 miles and I blew like a six. And I was like, that is so weird. So then I ate my dinner, my meal, and I had a high fat, high protein meal and the number went up. So we're just kind of having fun with this, but I do want to mention a couple of ways people can sort of tell without um, a measurement if they're in ketosis. Some people um, feel like a little metallic taste on their tongue sometimes. I don't know if you ever feel that, but I, I feel like a little metally in my mouth. And um, I have to urinate a little more often. And I feel almost like I just took a caffeine pill. pill. I feel like kind of like, woo, I'm like ready to do anything. So that's for me, those are things that happen to my body and I don't need to a little meter to tell me what my number is. Right, and it actually what you just said about it being, the number being low after your run. Yeah because you were, you were deep into your fast right? and you ran. And so you, you've completely used up all of your glycogen oh. and glucose stores. Yes. So yes. your brain, your, your body took all those ketones and fed them to your brain. Yes. Okay. So that and makes so sense. That makes a lot of sense. You were probably right on that point of you were, you ate when you needed to eat because you were just yeah. about out of fuel. Yeah. Um, and you know, your body. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it all, it all works and it all goes back to that. That's really cool. I don't, I don't cool. have any of that tech, but 
Um, yeah. I'm always interested to know what other people are playing with. And yeah, it's fun because, you know, Jim is a man and he's very lean. He's like lean, 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 and he's very muscular. And I'm a, you know, postmenopausal woman. And so it's kind of fun. And we've just, we've, both, we've just been using it as data, just like my little scale and everything else. Right. Um, and so that's, that's the process of fasting and what the process of fasting does to your body. Like it's just kind of a, an overview. It's not all of the details, but I think, I hope that gives everybody uh, just a little insight and a little kind of understanding of the benefits of what's going on when we go through those different phases of our fast. Excellent. And so next, so oh, no, this is, I'm sorry. I just want to mention that this is really, Bill, this is really user-friendly the way you explain this. I really like this. And the other thing I also want to also reinforce it's the clean fast. So mm -hmm. all this magic is happening, but if you put a little stevia in your coffee or a little cream, it's not going to, you're not going to have right. all these benefits because your body is going to be like, yeah, you're giving me a little bit of something and I'm, my insulin is going to go up and right. I'm not going to pay any attention to the fasting. So, um, so keep yeah, this in mind. This, yeah. All of this is only happening because oh. the insulin levels are low. Yeah. So I think because a lot of people are like, oh, I can't drink my coffee black. Oh, I can't give up my cream. But like, let's be real here. Let's think about all the positives. So instead of I can't, I can't say I get to take care of my body by doing a clean fast and look at all these wonderful things I'm doing for my body. So let's just remember yeah. that, everybody. Awesome. Yep. All right. And then let's, I, we just wanted to touch on some of the benefits of regular physical activity, also known as exercise. Uh, and this, this section will be a, a little bit briefer because a lot of it, a lot of the exercise process mirrors the, what's happening in your body in the fasting process. Mm -hmm. But we don't exercise, most of us don't exercise for 12 hours. Um, or 16 hours, or most of us don't exercise for four hours right. at a time. Um, and so the, the current recommended um, amount of exercise that the average healthy adult should get is about 150 minutes per week. Per week, okay. And you can, uh, it's, it's recommended that you, you 150 minutes per week, but that can be broken up into um, any any different increments and times per week. So, you know, 30 minutes a day, five times a week, or uh, 10 minutes twice a day, every day, you know, seven days a week, and then a little extra on the weekend, or, you know, it, it doesn't have to be full-blown workouts to get the benefits of exercise. Now, I know that a lot of our listeners and a lot of our community members are what we would consider athletes, whether they're elite athletes or um, just, you know, weekend warrior athletes. We still consider them athletes because they're doing more than that 150 minute minimum. Um, but if you, hit, if you can hit that 150 minute minimum, there's a lot of really, really strong science that points to extreme or, or yeah, health benefits from just, just that, just that minimum. Um, so again, it doesn't all have to happen at once. It doesn't have to be an intense gym workout. If you, if all you can do is walk 10 minutes, a couple times a day, that's, that's so much more beneficial than not doing anything at all. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Um, and so I know, you know, we were talking about this earlier before we started recording, Lisa, and we were talking about, you know, both of us have been overweight and both of us know what it's like to try to do things when you're overweight. And, you know, I know for myself, even when I was 260 pounds, I was exercising and doing physical things that most 260 pound people don't do, but that doesn't mean it was always easy. It was, it was definitely difficult at times. Um, and so we want to acknowledge that, you know, we, we understand completely exercise can be difficult. And for some people like hard physical exercise might not be recommended right away. Right. Um, any yes. physical activity is better than nothing though. Yeah. So if you're, let's just say you're like a stay home mom and you have little children and your time is never your own. If you take your kids for like a little walk around the block and it takes 10, 15 minutes, that's, that's something. And then maybe you take a little walk later or vacuuming. Like when I clean my house and I wear my Garmin and I vacuum, I get a mile and a half of steps. And so I don't count that as my exercise, but I'll count that as a recovery activity or even like a rest day. That'll be like a, um, an active rest day for me. And, you know, you could do some jumping jacks. You could walk up and down the steps. You could get on a stationary bike. There's so many things you can do. You could dance. You could put on some music and just dance. Mm -hmm. Yep. Just, and, and even cleaning the house is a physical activity. It is. It absolutely so, is. Mowing the lawn uh, with a regular mower, you know, things like that. Right. Shoveling. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that's moving and, and raising your heart rate even a little bit is going to be really good for you. Good. Um, so let's talk about some of the benefits of physical activity. Okay. And I will make sure there's a link to the studies where I got this information from. Oh, good. Uh, in the show notes, I didn't write it down. It was a really long, it, it would have been impossible to say <laughs> what the, what the link was anyway, but, okay. um, up to, and this is, this is up to, so, you know, again, depending on your body, depending on the intensity of the activity, uh, depending on your current fitness level, it's going to be up to these numbers, uh, 35% lower risk of heart disease, 50% lower risk of type two diabetes. 50% lower risk of colon cancer, 20% lower risk of breast cancer, 30% lower risk of early death, 83% lower risk of osteoarthritis, 68% lower risk of hip fractures, 30% lower risk of falling, 30% lower risk of depression, 30% lower risk of dementia, and the list went on and on and on and on and right. on. I didn't want to just read a list of Right. Uh, pages and pages, but those are just some of the bigger uh, health benefits that kind of stuck out to me on that list. And again, th these those percentages are based on 30 minutes a day or 150 minutes per week of um, moderate physical activity. Yeah. So and moderate is going to be determined by your current fitness level. What's moderate for me is not moderate for Lisa. What's moderate for Lisa is not going to be moderate for every one of our listeners. Everybody's an individual. Right. So I want to just point out a couple of things. So um, you mentioned, you know, the arthritis and the bone the osteoarthritis and the bone density. And so the reason is you're, you're putting weight, you know, weight bearing activity if you're walking. So that helps that depression. Once you get moving, you get the endorphins going that helps with depression. I know dementia, I, I can't, I can't even say enough about this because I, you know, I did um, 
some work in nursing homes, people that are sedentary have a much higher risk of getting dementia. So um, it's important. Now, you cannot outrun a bad diet. So that doesn't mean you can eat your Twinkies and then go for a 20 minute walk and it's all good. Right. I mean, it's still better than sitting on the couch, but um, it would not be good to just exist on Twinkies alone. If you want to have Twinkies every now and then, yay for you. But we really encourage people to think about treating their body with kindness and trying to give yourself good nutrition and healthy movement. Yes. Um, and so one of the, like I said earlier, one of the cool things that I noticed when I was going through this is that the uh, what the body does in response to exercise mm -hmm. mirrors a lot of what's happening in our fasting process. So uh, one of the things I learned this week in uh, as I'm going through my personal uh, trainer certification course is that when you work a muscle group 90 minutes after 90 minutes of activity, that muscle group is completely depleted of glycogen. Huh. Okay. Uh, and it takes, what did we say? Uh, 24 to 48 hours to completely deplete all of the glycogen from your body. So if you are working, let's say you're, um, one of your goals is to increase your biceps and you are fasting because you, you, you want to live the fasting lifestyle and you're also working out, you're depleting the glycogen in your muscles with the exercises that you're doing. So those muscles are going to get the added extra benefits of being depleted through exercise and then also having that fasting process kind of double support that. Um, so the, the whole point of this was that it really, you know, fasting and exercise should be done together. Fast, it's not fast or exercise. We want to fast and be athletes. Yeah, and some of our friends in the community say that they have some of their best workouts at 18, 19, 20 hours fasted. So yep. every, you know, some people think that that's overwhelming, but it's not, you just don't go out tomorrow and fast 19 hours and then run. It's something you build up to. So, right. um, yeah, so it's very individualized. And uh, so that's really great about um, the exhaustion of the muscles. That's, that's a handy fact, Bill. Yes, super fun. I'm, I'm learning so much. Um, and just kind of understanding it on a different level is really cool. And, um, you know, it's, all, it's also helping me as a martial artist, which is really cool because now I'm starting to get a better understanding of how the muscles work and how, you know, different movements kind of support other movements. And uh, it's just really, it's a lot of fun. Oh, good. Um, Great. But I don't want to get too far off track with that. So um, some other benefits of, you know, what's happening to our bodies during exercise during exercise, your body diverts blood flow from the liver and digestive system and sends it to the skeletal muscles. Um, so again, right, so glycogen is stored in the liver. We talked about that earlier. And if you're exercising, then that, um, that glycogen in your liver is not being processed right away. It's being saved for later um, because of that, there's less blood flow going to that process. And that blood flow is going to your muscles to grow your muscles, to build endurance in your muscles and to turn the food fuel and the fat cells in your body back into fuel to, again, process. Um, so it, it, the whole thing is just every, every single thing we look at just points back to your body is smarter than you think it is. Um, and exercise, when we exercise and we fast, 
we're giving the body more opportunities to do what it is designed and set up to do. Um, and, and it's just really cool. So let's see, skeletal muscles, we'll get back on track here. Yep, uh, blood flow diverted from the digestive system and the liver sent to the skeletal muscles. Hormones released during exercise tell the body to convert fat from glucose. Um, and again, that just mirrors what's happening in the fasting process. During exercise, the um, brain increases serotonin, dopamine, and here's a really big one, gamma amino butyric acid um, or GABA, G-A-B-A, right. which control fear, anxiety, and mood. So exercise is good for, again, it, it, exercise can decrease depression and anxiety. It can just improve your mood overall just by being physically active. Right. And that's the flight or fight, you know, response, like, like we're, you know, that's organic. Like when we get nervous, we want to run. So run if you're nervous, you know, it help reduce your anxiety. <laughs> yes. Um, and then blood flow and oxygen intake is increased. And so higher blood flow and higher O2 to the brain can increase uh, your brain function. And one of the studies that I looked at showed, uh, this is a recent study done at Harvard, and it found that there was an increase in the size of the hippocampus, which is the section of the brain associated with memory and learning. Oh. So if you're trying, if you're studying for something, or if you're trying to learn something new, you might benefit from a 15 to 20 minute um, walk or even jog right before you start studying because that extra blood flow to the brain can increase that, uh, that functionality and that uh, it just, just helps your brain work better. Helps yeah, you so, have a clear head. I'll go, I'll go one step further with that. So, you know, I was, I taught elementary and middle school and some kids, they just, they couldn't sit still in my classroom. I'm like, fine, you don't need to sit. I would let them stand. They could like march in place. They could walk around the room, you know, because they learn better when they're moving. And for me, I did a lot. I did a lot of community theater back um, when in my forties, I can't remember when, but um, if I had a big role in a play, this was back in the old days when we had the Walkman, I would, um, read my script and I would tape myself saying my lines and the lines of the people around me or my song or whatever. And I would go for my run and I would bring my Walkman with me and I would listen to my lines that I had to memorize while I was running. And that was for me, that was the best way for me to memorize my part. I needed to be moving and it helped like integrate like my lines into my brain while my body was moving. So that that's just my learning style. I'm a like a con kinesthetic learner I like to be moving yeah and, and it's just further proof that you know like it's, it's, the science is right the science uh you know the good science at least is all points to fasting and exercise and fitness and just being overall um, aware of your nutrition and being healthy uh, is just going to help you do so much more than just lose weight yeah it's really going to help you live your life and um, be able to enjoy the things that you want to do Excellent. Um, and that's really uh, the last, the, the only other thing that was a really big benefit that uh, I, I thought was interesting was some studies show a 65% increase in quality sleep, not necessarily the amount of sleep, but oh, okay. um, pe for people who exercise 30 minutes a day and it didn't say early in the morning or in the afternoon or uh, right before bed, it just said 30 minutes a day those people, um, those individuals showed a 65% increase in quality sleep. Yeah. And sleep is when our body um, 
pretty much undoes all, all the damage that we do to it on a daily basis. You know, your, when you're sleeping, that's when your body goes through healing processes. And that's when it, it, you know, it really, you know, your brain gets to shut down and rest. Your muscles get to recover more. Everything kind of lines up. So you want that quality sleep. Um, yeah. And so if you're having any issues sleeping, I'd recommend just, you know, make sure you're getting a, a few minutes of exercise here and there. Yeah, I think that's really a really worthwhile point because I know people who are sedentary at their job. It, and they're working hard, they're working hard, they're thinking all day, they're driving, they're going here, they're there, and then they have trouble sleeping because they're, we're not made, we're not made, humans are not made to sit all day. We need to have movement. So if you are one of these people that you have trouble sleeping, please incorporate a little bit more exercise and see if it helps. Yes. And that's Great. really the, the point of this, the point of the whole episode this week was just to cover those things, you know, to get an understanding of how the fat, how fasting impacts the body, how exercise mirrors and mimics those exact same processes, and that absolutely 100% they can and should be done in conjunction with each other. Um, and so that's that's the end of my notes and all the information I had. Um, Lisa, I don't know if there's anything else specific that we want to add on. Oh no, was, to that. that was great. And thank you, Bill. And, you know, as we said, Bill is studying for his personal training. So, yes. um, oh, so let me ask you this, because, you know, I, I'm, I was a fitness instructor. I still, I'm still certified. And I remember taking the test and, and there were things that were a little bit old dogma. So um, do they talk about intermittent fasting in the physical, in the personal training, or do they talk about, uh, like the whole nutrition thing, do they do they talk about the pre workout, post workout? Like what what kind of stuff is in your manual? So the uh, the program that I'm going through is the National Academy of Sports Medicine or NASM, um, and I specifically chose that program because they they do support fasting. Oh, good. Um, they don't cover uh, they don't cover it really in the personal trainer certification and they don't currently offer a fast they do they do they offer nutrition coaching certifications and additional like right. support su support certifications to go along with the right. primary certification but um i chose nasm primarily because they they stick to what they know and what they know is exercise okay good. um no, that's they don't, good. yeah they, they they like i said they do have a nutrition certification um, but their primary focus is on building high quality programs for uh, a wide variety, being able, being able to build high quality programs for a wide variety of clientele um, and being able to take people from, be, from any stage of whatever stage of fitness they're at to their goals. Um, so there, there is still some old, uh, there, there's still a little bit of information that I'm like, ah, uh, Right. But, you know, I, I got to take the test. And so I have to answer the questions according to yep, <laughs> according to the test questions. But for the most part, um, you know, they are very up to date on Good. current exercise science. And they don't put a whole lot of focus on nutrition in the trainer certificate, in the personal, in the fit, fitness trainer certification. Yeah. They keep that separate. Yeah. So um, I have so, a friend, um, she has a um, exercise physiology uh, degree and certification, and she has to keep current. And she's mm -hmm. taking courses through um, 
the same organization. And she told me she's been very pleased that they have, they talk about intermittent fasting and yes. that with your clients. So that's very encouraging. It's very yeah. encouraging. And I know some doctors are also getting on board. Okay. Yeah. So we're going on here about almost 40 minutes. So <laughs> We will, um, this, we're going to upload some interviews that we have um, in the can, as they say, and we have some upcoming guests, male and female. Um, in two weeks, we're interviewing a woman who is um, a physical therapist, and she works specifically with people who have issues with the pelvic floor. And a lot of people think it's only women who have had babies, but it affects men and women and all kinds of people. So if anybody has questions about that, please <clears throat> write to us or message us on the Facebook community and um, we'll take as many questions as we can and we'll give them to Andrea. And we have some really fabulous people coming up in the next several weeks. Yep, uh, we're gonna be interviewing Graham Curry, the um, author of The Fasting Highway. Yep. And uh, we've got a couple other guests coming up lined up that we're just trying to schedule some times for, make sure we get them squeezed in. So again, as we go through these interviews, remember that sometimes you'll hear Lisa, sometimes you'll hear me, sometimes you'll hear both of us. Uh, but just know that we are, uh, we're both on just having fun with what we're doing and we're making it work and we're letting it grow. Uh, kind of like we said in the beginning, we're letting it grow as it wants to grow. Yes. Um, very, very organically. And we love the way it's going. If anybody wants to, has an interest in sharing their story or uh, being interviewed for anything, you know, fasting and fitness related, you, again, you can send us a message to that email, uh, fasting, fasted fitness lifestyle podcast at gmail.com, or you can send us a message directly in the Facebook group. Uh, if, if you're in there, if you're not in there, then you definitely please, please, please join our Facebook group the Fasted Fitness Lifestyle Community. We would love to have you. Yes, please join the Facebook group community. And also please, um, if you would be so kind as to subscribe to our podcast, because we wanna gain momentum and we really wanna help as many people as possible. That's really our basic goal. So we wanna help people share with your friends and, and that's it. All right, Bill, thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa. And everybody have a great week and we'll see you back here soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us for this podcast. Please come back next week. We'd love to hear from you. If you would like to be a guest on our podcast, please email us at fastedfitnesslifestylepodcast at gmail.com. That's one word. Fasted Fitness Lifestyle Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can message us at our Facebook community, The Fasted Fitness Lifestyle. Please join our Facebook community because we would love to support you and hear your thoughts. So be well, everyone. Continue to fast on, continue your fitness, and we'll see you back here soon. Thanks.